Welcome to Writish, the one-stop shop on your writer journey where we discuss everything writing-related from shiny new ideas through publication. Whether it's on the indie or traditional path and the ish of life that fuels and sometimes gets in the way of our creative pursuits. I'm Zara, a self-published author of young adult and new adult fiction and alumni of the NYU Master's in Publishing program and the founder of Inimitable Books, LLC, a new book publisher dedicated to uplifting marginalized voices without forcing authors to spotlight their trauma. I'm Kelly, a genre-hopping writer, trier of hobbies, and a debuting author fall of 2023. We are so excited to be interviewing Kate Cavanaugh on today's episode. If you're part of her 43.4 thousand author tube followers on YouTube or her 4.4 thousand Twitch followers, as of the time of this recording, and you would already know her as the lovable, energetic, chaotic, writer friend who does all the wacky writing experiments so we don't have to. She's also a proud pet mom and tortures us with the D100 dice every Friday during her Twitch writing sprints. We asked our audience and her audience to submit questions for this interview. Some of them have been answered by her impressive backlog of videos on her YouTube channel, but you know, we ask that you indulge us anyway, Kate, and maybe give some quick answers or long answers, whatever you want. So let's get into it. The first question is, what made you think to recreate writing routines of authors? Oh, so I had seen people do this in other portions of YouTube. Like I, for a time, was following fitness YouTube. I don't know if they have a phrase for it, but they were doing where I tried working out like a Navy SEAL or I tried doing this kind of thing. And then I saw some booktubers try reading like another booktuber's list you know their favorite books of 2019 or something I was like aha I can try and do that for famous authors and writing that's really smart see I wish I could think of stuff like that for videos and content but I'm just like "Mm, no mom brain I have one brain cell working I feel like I lucked out on the timing of that. Like, it seems almost inevitable that someone else was going to think of that, too, at a certain point. Like, it's just a perfect storm. Because I think now that there are so many more author tubers than when I started and when I kind of gained popularity, it, it can be even harder now. Like, the competitions to stand out, I guess, is a little bit stiffer. Speaking of your I Tried Writing like. What was your favorite I Tried Writing Like video that you've done? And why did you like that writing routine so much? Oh, that one's so tough. I feel like I have different favorites for different reasons. You can go through all of them. The audience question asked for one, but I'd rather hear your full answer. Okay. I was like, I need to play. You know, in some ways, it's like the Stephen King one, just because it's the one that started it all. Hold on. Let me see if I can find my list (laughs) real quick. Our playlist of writing experiments will be linked in the show notes it's just it's also ridiculously long at this point and I sometimes forget to add them (laughs) oh I did love the Nora Roberts one just because I love Nora Roberts so it's always fun when it's someone that I already really know and like and then Brandon Sanderson's was fun just because it's he writes the complete opposite way that I do in terms of routine you were so funny in that you're like I did not make it (laughs) and it was so tough he's such a night owl and I yeah I just it was it was tough and now of course he's released like secret books during the pandemic I'm sure his writing routine is just even more insane now yeah the last um author tubers react that we did on 
Mia, the Vixen of Fiction's channel yesterday, Kelly and I, as of the time of this recording, we talked about that. But when you were on the Author Tubers React in February 2022, I had been saying that I was rewatching your videos and I mentioned Nora Roberts and you went to Google and were like searching for it because you had thought that I said that I had done one. Yeah, I was so excited. <laughs> now I kind of feel like I should to make Kate happy. You should. But it's like, what? <laughs> You should. That's what I was like. I need all of the Nora Roberts content. Like she's a queen and she is unparalleled. I actually went to the bookstore yesterday. I was trying to find something and I saw a new Nora Roberts book and it had her own little logo. Oh my God. Like her little N and then an R with the book on it. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Like it's just wild. <laughs> I love that she has her own logo actually on the book, not just on her website. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first time I've ever ever seen someone use this and it's like I don't know she's just doubling up <laughs> she's that cool so on the flip side of things what was your least favorite routine writing challenge what gave you the most pain oh my god well I mean all of the 24-hour write-a-thons I was gonna say <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're simultaneously the best and the worst there's fun pockets. So the first like three hours when you're like, I can totally do this is great. And then you have like pockets of inspiration or like the caffeine hits at certain times and it's great again. But then also hour 21 to you're just like, I can't I make it another three hours. Editing those is really fun, though, because I will not remember what I have said or done. And so it's kind of like editing someone else's footage in some ways from just like, oh, that happened. Well, Because you've said like, is this the genius brain or the delirious brain? Yeah, that's that's what it feels like. You're like, am I, is this the best idea I've ever had? Or will I wake up tomorrow and realize it is the worst? <laughs> <laughs> but like you have to go through it versus if you come up with the writing idea, like super late at night, it's like you write it down, you go to sleep and then you can read it. It's like, no, you have to push through. Yeah. That's why sometimes I've done some of them where I was working on multiple projects. So if I hit one of those moments and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to regret this or not, <laughs> I could switch projects and just like go from there. And other times when I'm doing the only one project, you're like, well, I've made this decision and I don't know if I'm going to get 8,000 words of crap after this <laughs> that I'm going to have to change. I've made my bed and I need to lie in it. Exactly. <laughs> What is your favorite thing you've learned or relearned through your writing challenges? Take your time. It's fine. You've done a lot. <laughs> I want to think of something that's concrete, but really what's coming to mind is like, we're all doing this one thing. We're writing books or we're writing stories, and yet we all have different ways of doing it, whether it's the actual routine, whether it's the process, whether we zero draft or we meticulously outline or anything else you know we're but we're all trying to have this in conclusion of a story that we get to share so I think that's that's my favorite thing about author tube too just in general is seeing how everyone does things in such a different way So you outline your works in progress now uh, to varying degrees. I know that you've said on live streams that like it depends on the story and you've run polls on it. And I think the winning answer on that poll was also it depends. That's what I voted for. But have you always been a plotter for people who haven't watched all your videos? From the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, no, I have not. I honestly, like looking back on it, I would consider myself a full pantser almost. I would like to have a beginning, middle, end is what I would say. And I would usually have like a lot of ideas for the beginning, but sometimes I wouldn't even write them down. I was like, they're just fleshed out in my head and it'll be fine. And I would just fully zero draft and pants the project. So I still do that sometimes. You know, you just want to go with the inspiration. I find now that it's easier when I'm juggling multiple projects to have them more outlined. So that's probably the only reason I switched over (laughs) to doing it that way is just it's easier. That's the reason you came to the dark side. (laughs) Exactly. We have cookies though, so that's also good. Right. (laughs) I have an outlining method on my Ko-fi page, but it's open-ended enough that if you are a gardener versus an architect, which we had an episode on, but we first heard about it from you, your George R.R. Martin writing like, video. Yeah. But yeah, I think outlining people and we've said this throughout all of our episodes kind of on rightish, but an outline isn't a blood bound contract. You can change it. And also I do sometimes just like write a scene that comes to me, which is pantsing the scene. And then it's like, does this fit in? How does it fit in? Do I have to revise it to make it fit in? Is it just going to be never see the light of day. Yeah, I think that's the thing that's often missing from like the plotter versus pantser question is just how much gray area there is in between all of them. Like it's not, it's more of a spectrum and like you're allowed to do different things and hop different ways. Having said that, I still often think of outliners as people who write like 20,000 word outlines because I've, I've heard about them, but like in my head, that's what every outliner is. And I'm like, but how do you do it when it turns out that we're like, most of the time, not that dissimilar as we're just writing down most of the main points and then or using the beat sheets or whatever, you know? Yeah, I think my longest outline is my new adult spy thriller one, but that's because there are 100 chapters in it. I'm writing a paragraph for each one, knowing because of the type of story it's going to be, my chapters are not going to be my standard like 2000 words that I've done in my other books. I need the multiple chapters to get me to the word count goal for the genre. What are pros and cons of working on a project for an extended period of time? Like focusing on one. Oh, focusing on one and then like switching or something? Instead of like within a day you rotate or whatever. Okay, I've tried both ways. I mean, pro, you get to really immerse yourself in that story for the day and it feels like it moves faster if you're just focusing on this one project for a month or two months to get the draft done that's actually more where I've moved to rather than working a little bit on each project each day I'm usually still working on two projects a day it's definitely one's like 80% of my time and one's 20% So yeah, I would say the biggest pro is just feeling like you've accomplished more, even if over the course of the year, you're kind of even. I always feel like the con for me is that if something's going wrong, I am, uh, it takes me a little bit longer to realize that I need space away from it. Because in my head, I'm like, well, I just want to finish or I just want to do this. And I'll maybe plow ahead, even when what I really need is just to like rest it and switch. How do you continue working on a project when you lack motivation? So like, let's say that you have the deadline 
and you don't have the opportunity to switch. So just to confirm, it's a lack of motivation and not like a story issue, right? Correct. For the purpose of this question, you can't be like, I don't want to work on this story, but I want to work on this other thing. So I'll do that instead. You don't have that option. (laughs) Yeah. I go on a walk. (laughs) I don't know that that's helpful, but like that's usually when I'm just sitting at the computer and every part of you is rebelling. Like you cannot even like get your finger to hit another key. That's when I'm like, I'm just going to go on a walk. And for whatever reason for me, and I'll just keep walking until I don't feel like walking anymore. (laughs) That might be an hour listening to a podcast or an audiobook or whatever. But usually by the time I'm done with that, I can sit back down and be like, I can at least get 300 words. I can at least do this, like something about that helps rejuvenate me so I don't know that I've ever been since I get to set most of my own deadlines right now it'll be interesting whenever I try and do trad pub and it'll be someone else setting the deadline for me I feel like I would be better at that oh don't remind me about trad pub deadlines (laughs) yeah now I'm scared (laughs) I saw Zelda oh we have a sausage yes we have a sausage yeah she literally was just a wooing at the door. So she's happy to be here too. (laughs) That's so cute. We're on number eight. Oh, number eight. Lucky eight. Okay. How do you not get burnt out by writing? Oh, we'll see. Kelly. (laughs) It's taking breaks. (laughs) We were just talking about it. (laughs) I was like, oh yeah, cute and what we were just talking about. But yeah, taking breaks going on. Oh, that's what it was. Because Kate, you said you go on walks. Well, a girl likes to go on walks too, but I got to load up some little crotch creatures to go on a walk now. (laughs) Yes, that is much harder. I'm always so impressed by parents who are able to like, I, they're, are now thankfully more parents on AuthorTube than when I first started. But I was always like, I would get comments about people asking. They're like, well, I'm curious if there's any other parent writers here and like how they manage it. And I'm like, I can barely take care of myself and my dogs. It's like, I don't know how people do it. But on your walks, you can take the dogs and give them exercise. You can. Because a tired dog is a happy dog owner. Yes. At the very least. Yes. Yes. I did see this TikTok and it was like, okay, as a pet parent, we're tired of arguing with crotch creature parents about who has it worse. Does your child try to jump out of a vehicle when the window's down? (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? My children do not do that. (laughs) They don't try to eat themselves out windows. Um, But you saying that like you don't know why a walk helps. You're getting your body moving, which means blood flow. You can think better, but also you're not feeling trapped in your body and then you have the changing environment of where you're walking yeah I don't have Riley living with me so like I don't have that excuse and I'm also like such a hermit that my first thought is not to walk and I'm also one of the people who's like I'm not just gonna go for a walk I need a destination so it's like I would need to actually decide to like buy something mm-hmm. not on Amazon but at the Bed Bath & Beyond that's like three blocks away from me that would work too or be like I'm gonna go to the library I don't know I'm sure you have libraries near you just be like whoop oh yeah no I do and it's like I just need to do something but that's never my thought because I'm like I can get it all done at home yeah yeah <laughs> I honestly don't know that I've ever been burnt out on writing specifically what's that like yeah <laughs> I've gotten burnt out like every stage like every part of my life 
and sometimes multiple times at once. Yeah, yeah. So like definitely after NaNoWriMo, I've had like the post-NaNo hangover where I can't write, but it's never, I don't think, reached the stage of like actual burnout, you know? Like I need a break and I need space and my body does rebel against me. (laughs) If I try and sit down at the computer, but it's not a full burnout. But yeah, I think it's because I will let myself take breaks after NaNoWriMo or after I complete a big project. I'm like, okay, just take like the entire week off and do nothing. Just be be a little hermit. <laughs> just bundle up. I'll, refilling the well is such a big thing. Yeah, I don't think I ever let myself do that because it's like, okay, I finished a big project on writing. So I'll leave it. I'll take a break. Now let's like completely front load the podcast. Right. Immediately take on everything else. And Kelly will be like, you don't have to do this. And I was like, yeah, I know I don't, but like I need to do something. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, why is NAF not on that list? I was like, oh, it still is. But when I'm awake, I need to do something. So that's my terrible thing too. So I finally got to the point where I will legitimately take off one day a week of work. And that's like anything that can be construed as work even. Like it would not be working on videos. It would not be working on a podcast. It would not be doing, it would not be outlined. Like it's- It's nothing. Nothing. So I will- puzzle and I will listen to my audiobooks and like I can kind of get away with feeling a little bit better about it by saying that audiobooks are like it's all research you know I'm filling the well and I'm like learning what the trends are isn't it so bad that we have to manipulate ourselves into taking a break (laughs) that's literally yeah I'm like yeah I gotta trick my brain into thinking it's okay which it is and so like at least that's the even if it's a trick it actually happens and it works my therapist she's like we've all been poisoned by capitalists Uh, productivity hustle culture that is it yeah i know but knowing it and completely saying f it is completely different yes yes I was getting ready to say. I just love though how you're like, oh, I'm going to take a week and I'm over here. I'm like, mm, it's been a month. It's been a month. Maybe I'll take another half of a month and then I'll come back to it around April. <laughs> you're a mom with two girls who are younger than three and they really like to dance on your last nerve sometimes together. <laughs> they, they do. I love them. Yeah. But that is the story of a stay-at-home parent. And it's going to be great, though, once um, weather gets better. Because, like I said, we got this fenced-in area. I'm going to take them outside with my laptop. I'm going to sit underneath the pergola in my hammock and just watch them and write. It's going to be fabulous. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing about, like, different stages in your life where you just have to accept what you once were able to do is not the same anymore. And, like, being okay with that. Or, like, when I'm having the really bad period migraine week, I used to try and force work in then yeah and it's like no just let yourself feel like crap you know just let it be okay that you didn't get the work done i know you do fast drafting and zero drafting but someone asked do you ever feel like you are drafting too slowly no not usually When I don't have the story figured out and I'm doing that thing where I'm trying to focus on it and then I'm like, no, I need a break. And then I'll like focus on it again once I have a solution. And then I realize there's another problem. There's definitely been stories where it's like, I don't have the story figured out. So it takes a really long time to draft. I've had that. But like, if I have the story figured out, it doesn't usually take me long to draft. But yeah, there's plenty of times when I've messed up the story or like gone in the wrong direction and had to go back and it's all taken longer than it in quotes should have. (laughs) Project Purple timeline. Yes. Oh my God. 
bane of my existence. That was terrible. And you would think that I would have improved on timelines by now, but I'm still really bad at it. But at least you can see it. Yes. And it, you know what? It does help. I've never had a Project Purple debacle. Yes. There's not been another debacle of that level. But like, it's one of those things where I keep thinking it should intuitively happen. But like, I have to draw it out by hand first. Because if I just try and use my like online tools and software, my brain does not compute it. It's kind of like I have to brainstorm by hand too. So it's like I have to draw it out with all my dumb little arrows and like, and then I have to go back and put it into the software and inevitably my little pants or brain somewhere down the line will think of something really cool which messes with the timeline. But also I think doing it by hand and then putting it in the computer, it's like you're thinking about it twice. Yeah. It's the same way that you said with Neil Gaiman's I Tried Writing Light. Yeah, yeah. How do you juggle so many different writing projects? Not well. (laughs) Next question. Yeah, it's a challenge. It's one of those things that I think I'm better than when I first really started in full, but also like it's something that I I can't focus on only one project at a time. I have tried and my brain goes crazy, but also then that leads to having to juggle multiple of them. Do you like set timers for them? Do you time block or is it just like? I'm trying to get better by making them, instead of it being like a 50-50 split or like a 33-33-33, if I do like an 80-20. So like one's always the main project is the best way I found at juggling it. But it's a it's a work in progress. <laughs> you know, it's really just a vibe thing. I just try and make sure that like the main project of the day I do first. Your best brain. Yeah, my best brain is the one that I use first. <laughs> <laughs> That's a phrase you've used. I did not come up with that. <laughs> Put that sucker on a hat. So it's kind of like if I have energy and I feel like I've like done, you know, 1500 words or 2000 words or however many on my main project and I feel like I have the energy for it I'll do the other project and have fun with it and it doesn't matter how many I get kind of thing with the 80 20 is it within a day or like within a week probably both honest some days I don't work on the second project at all out of a week I'm probably work on it like three out of the five days that's just writing projects right and then there's like streaming and author tube and like podcast and whatever but yeah yeah 80 20 for the writing yeah <laughs> Do you have a favorite character you've written? You know, my issue is that I genuinely love all of my characters. It's like you got to pick your favorite child. We all know you have one. It's okay. <laughs> just because I just finished Project Death, I'm going to say Twilby. I like her a lot. I don't know that we're the same. Like I would not survive in her world and she'd be crazy in ours. She is just fun to write. She's very righteous, but like has her own kind of moral compass on what it comes to so it's like sometimes you can disagree with her but still understand where she's coming from it's a deadpool yes who is a character that you would want to be friends with and you know in real life you don't have to be like completely copy and paste yeah yeah i think annalisa from the meridian maps would be really fun She's just kind of witty and silly, but also has some drive. I think we'd be different, but she'd be fun. Or Jenny, for a contemporary story. She's from Project Purple. And I just, 
feel like we would have been friends when we were in high school so you also probably could have been like each other's critique partner where she's writing about like yes yeah I would have read her memoir in quotes (laughs) that's cute that's very cute have you wrote a character that you just absolutely hate yeah I've definitely written characters that they just suck there's a reason for their suck but they still suck almost all the bad guys are terrible terrible people but they're they're still fun to write but they're terrible (laughs) I really enjoyed writing the devil in the Belgrave Legacy trilogy because he's just like so snarky and sassy but like obviously he's awful he's doing bad things yeah yeah but I like hated writing the villain in the Stellar Blood trilogy just because he was like sadistic and awful and there was no redeeming qualities in him yeah that's like uh in the Meridian Maps the <laughs> Annalisa's mom who we like she ran away and then like we hear about her as this like kind of pirate queen and so we eventually in the series like meet her and it's not that she's like full villain but she just kind of sucks you know like the like a real life version of parents who like have their kids and decide to leave and then like blame it on everything but themselves you know like they're just they're just not nice people oh um kelly knows (laughs) girl i got some stories yeah yeah so like yeah so it's like writing her character I'm like there's parts of her that are fun because you see where Annalisa gets some of her snark from but like she's also just sucky and you know those sucky people in real life so it's not like she's a full yeah so she's kind of a tough one to write have you ever written people who did you wrong into your books as silent revenge i have written versions of them like amalgamations like i had a friend who yeah i i've definitely done this <laughs> it's all coming out <laughs> my high school I'm not gonna say bully because it wasn't really like bullying but like they just weren't particularly nice to me I'm sure they had a lot going on so I've like combined them with a friend where we had a falling out and like they're definitely an antagonist totally poke at that it feels cathartic I mean like it's one of those where it's like as an adult I'm like oh yeah it like a lot of this stuff makes sense but it's still nice to have your catharsis to get to relive that in a different way (laughs) uh you know what they say about hit dogs they holler so if anyone ever comes at you kate for being like this was me and it's like interesting that you see that yeah yeah interesting you do all those awful things yes exactly well that's what my friend becca y'all know her becca c smith on youtube and other places (laughs) she had someone like actually reach out to her on facebook once and was like is that I think it was like they asked her if it was her um, and she's like, no, <laughs> you'll have to talk to Becca at some point and ask her for that full story. But I was like, oh, I'm going to ask her because I was like, <gasps> all of the questions that we've asked so far have been submitted by your audience, Kate. And this one is something I'm wondering what has been your favorite author to chat topic with Jessica Williamson and have your thoughts since changed? Oh, you know what? I bet a lot of them have. Well, not a lot of them. Let me see. I've always thought about if we should go back and like do another version of this. I mean, Kelly and I revisited revision. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? Yes. 
We jointly did an experiment one time about writing a screenplay for the first time. And neither Jessica or I really gave it the best go. And I think I did slightly more than Jessica did on this. She will admit to that. (laughs) So we had that as a chat topic. And I don't remember if we brought Becca on or we just like talked about Becca a lot, who does write a lot of screenplays. But yeah, I just, that one was tough. I would love to redo it after this year because one of my big goals is to write a screenplay or maybe two. Ooh. I'd love to redo that one. <laughs> maybe we'll be able to have you on for our future segment where we talk about something adjective screenwriters. Superb screenwriter. Oh. <laughs> what are your thoughts on reading and writing poetry? When I was doing the Ray Bradbury, the month-long one that I did with Cache Warren, one of his things is that you have to read a short story, a poem, and like an essay or an article or something each day. That was the first time that I'd read poetry like once a day since, I don't know, maybe school when they like made us read poetry. So it's like, I do like poetry. I wish I read more of it. I like the how lyrical it is. And I love the way it plays with words in a much different way. And it's not confined to the same rules that like novel writing is. So I wish I did more of it. It's a vague goal of mine and a not set goal of mine. (laughs) I bet the best writers also read poetry too. So I like reading poetry by more modern people. Yeah. There are classics that I like, but the ones that we mostly had to read in high school, I'm just I don't like them. Yeah. And I had to write poetry and I just love the poetry that I write because I was in a creative writing class and you had to do poetry and short stories. I was like, I hate my poetry. And my family are not people who will be like, oh, it's good if it's not good. And they're all like, oh my God, it's so good. And I'm like, I'm glad you like them. I don't. (laughs) I'm never going to write poetry again if I can avoid it. Yeah. My experience with poetry is very lovely. Shout out to my junior English teacher at my trade school because she did extra work that she did not have to do because I wanted to write hate poetry and it was very vulgar and very to the point and like really nitty gritty and she went through with me and basically censored it for me but where it was still to the point of I hate this person. And then I got up and read it in front of the whole class. It was lovely. <sighs> that sounds very cathartic. This is another question of mine rather than from the audience. Can you summarize your current thoughts on content versus art? Your last episode from your podcast, Making Money Making Art, as of the time of this recording, was all about it. You said a lot. I will link that episode. And your podcast in general in the show notes. Thank you, Zara. You know, the real problem is that I just continue to mull over it. But someone said about how they were taking an art history class. And, you know, things that we see in museums presented as art nowadays were also just more function. The clay pot example, you know, like there's there's things that weren't intended to be art by the creator so much as just like yeah they made the thing they needed to use pretty and now we're like oh my god this art and so that has been playing over in my mind like relentlessly where I think about you know how much is it the creator's intention versus the consumer's like the reception so no I have no more answers than when I made it I just continue to think about it but I think if you're looking at an ancient Greek or ancient Roman amphora that's painted there is function And it is historical, so I don't 
consider it art on its own, but the designs on it are art because they didn't have to put them there. Yeah. Well, it's like you're making author tube videos. Like I'm clearly trying to communicate a topic, a thing. And if I make a particularly like good shot of my coffee or something, like, does that make it art? Like, it's just kind of a, you know, are we grading art based off of how commercial it is versus like the, again, the intent of me just like trying to communicate a message, but all art communicates a message. No, it's just. (laughs) But like people will say, oh, that's an artsy shot. So I think, I think content can be art. And I think all art is content. Well, so there's not a line like down the, I think there's so much overlap. That's when it gets interesting to me when I feel a certain way. But I think art, you can make it just for yourself and like put it in a desk and no one else sees it. Therefore, it wasn't content. Like you don't, do you make content content for yourself? Right. So it's like, no, it was just art. But then if I take a picture of that thing for my Instagram, it is now content because I, it's still art. It doesn't make it any less art. It just makes it also this thing. So there's like a, oh, I don't know, the (laughs) the overlapping circles of what it is. I think they overlap really heavily. Yeah. I think it's like a really big middle section. So I don't know. Yeah. It's still just, I'm, maybe I'll have an answer at the end of the year. I'll be like, you know what? I think this. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think you can have unpublished content and have it still be content. Well, see, that's the, like, what are journal entries? Yeah. You know, I'm not, is that, that's content just for your future self or for your current self? Uh, Yeah, I think it's content. I think if you doodle, then it also becomes art. Like my stuff, not art. I'm going to say that right now in my bullet journal. I started picking up journaling now that we're talking about it. And my intent whenever I'm journaling is that I am writing in it as if my great great grandchildren are going to find this in a trunk in an attic and that's my intent with it oh wow no that's impressive because sometimes I think about that sometimes my dad has like years of journals he's kept my dad's a psychologist I'm sure this adds into it but my dad has years of journals he's kept (laughs) and so he has this thing where we've talked about journaling before and he's like there's some part of him that would love for us kids to read it when he's passed. He's like, on the other hand, a lot of the time, yeah. A lot of the time when you journal, you're journaling because you need to get out like some bad feelings or bad vibes, or it's like the first check for you. And he's like, I don't want this to be what you think is indicative of my whole mindset around. Like it was just, I needed to journal. So he's like, there's this kind of conflicting feelings regarding it. I was going to say, I totally get that because there are some things in my journal where I'm just like bitching about Logan yeah. because he's done something to piss me off. And, but then it's like other journal entries. I'm like very vague and mysterious. And I'm like, oh, yes, this will make the children wonder. This will make the children go and look for great, great grandma's tarot deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's if the bloodline doesn't end with my daughters because they could choose to end the bloodline, which is fine. Someone will find my journals and it'll be like a, a spider wick thing. For me, it's a to-do list. Future focused, but very present because I, I do dailies now, even though it looks like a weekly kind of. And then I will write stuff that happens. So mostly the stuff that affects my mental health. But like if something really good happens, like I got the job um, and things like that. But that's so that I can, when I talk to my therapist once a week, be like, Yo, I was feeling shitty and then I look through and I'm like, oh, I already forgot that like for three days of this week, I was feeling bad because I was triggered 
whenever and she'll be like see it's good that you have a record and i'm like yes it is but i don't think anyone reading my bullet journals will care yeah So just kind of trekking along here because AuthorTube is growing quickly and I love the growing community and I love all the different corners of AuthorTube. Is there any advice someone as successful as you on this space could give to people who want to join? Think of it for yourself first. So like what you're interested in is going to be like the best kind of content. See content, not art. (laughs) And I think it can be tough. I don't know. It's so hard because I sometimes wonder if people who have already started, like who just started this year would give better advice to someone who is starting like today, you know, because it's kind of more relevant advice. But yeah, just make the stuff that you enjoy and that you want to see. You originally came from BookTube, right? I thought it was just BookTube and like people sometimes talked about writing. So when I joined, like there was not this official joined in quotes. I think maybe people were talking about WriteTube. Like it was half people were calling their stuff WriteTube. Some were calling it AuthorTube and then AuthorTube just stuck. (laughs) And yeah, AuthorTube took off for whatever reason. And so I started doing BookTube videos, but like I had more of a split between book and writing stuff and then like very quickly just did writing stuff. I think with NaNoWriMo vlogs the first time I did them. That's how I found you was NaNoWriMo. Yeah. I found you during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and I think it was Jesse who had like decided to unprivate her videos or something. And I was like, oh, I watched a Wonder Writers Retreat thing forever ago, but oh, all these people and now, and, and going to the live streams and things like that. Yeah, yeah. How do you decide how much of your life gets put online? I know you put it up uh, in a vlog that was like your summer reset or something. And you were talking about how people saw the boyfriend's dogs before we knew that you like had the boyfriend in your life and then you know you're talking about you know when duke passes and he obviously passed yeah it's tough because i wish that on my end nothing has changed because i'm still just making videos and writing but now that i have like an audience that element has changed and so then how i treat it so i think when i started out i shared so much because it was just like me and a hundred friends just hanging out is what it felt like and now it's like there's 40,000 people almost 45 yeah I, gosh but you know maybe 5,000 people will watch like a video but that's still insane like thinking about it so I think actually a lot of it came with <laughs> the rise of uh, guru gossip and stuff <laughs> with that whole era of author tube. So I think, yeah, it's tough because I saw a lot of booktube people actually where they were like breaking up with their boyfriends and had to make like a huge announcement. <laughs> they were doing X or Y or Z and like were getting tons of questions. And I was like, that's not what I want. <laughs> Figuring it out now is kind of, if it's a person, I ask them if they want to be involved. And if they don't want to be involved, then like, that's totally cool. And that's great. Um, Or sometimes I just don't ask. Like the boyfriend would have been fine being in videos before, but it was just like, it's more comfortable for me to like, not have him in that many videos, even if I'm showing him now. And then like, one of the things I wish I would have thought of sooner is sharing the, I've never said the second pin name, the romance pin name. I haven't said it, but I almost wish I wouldn't have made it like as big of a 
deal about it. Like I, it was not my intention to make a big deal about it, but then I'll get a bunch of questions about like, why aren't you sharing it? Oh, we do you have questions about it? We had seven and I'm like, we're just saying it once. Yeah. Yeah. So I realized that it's like, it's a lot more fun for me to have it be just for me. And, and that's not even including all the elements about how like much sex there is in these books. Right. So it's just nicer to like, have that be a separate thing. And I think because I talked about it in the videos, that now means that I get a bunch of questions about it. And had I thought about it, I wouldn't have done that. I think I just did it at the time because I was like, this is what I'm busy with. And like, because guru gossip, I didn't want to be like, I'm doing nothing and I'm making no progress and things. I felt I felt an external pressure that I shouldn't have. So now it's like I have all of the hindsight is 2020 kind of thing. And being like, you know, so I, I try not to talk about it as much anymore is basically the solution to that. And I just say, I don't share it with anyone and it's, it'll just fade is my goal. <laughs> if a book ever did get like super popular and like out of nowhere, I just got lots of different subscribers. I would go through in private a lot of videos that featured like the girls or stuff like that. I've already thought about that. I'm like, mm, I actually might do that. I'm like my next free day is go through and just private all the videos with the girls or I already privated the video of our house remodel just because I was like, that was a fun thing, but I'm going to make this private and just keep it just for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm like, man, privacy. I want it. I, I want to be one of these, mis like, I want to be an author that's known really well for my books. And then the rest of my life is a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Go the lemony snicker route. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I was, living with my parents I think I showed more of the house or the like neighborhood than I thought about later and so I tried to be better about that if I'm like vlogging on a walk or something like make sure there aren't any street signs when I'm editing if that means I have to do like some screwy editing I try and do that just because people are the smallest percentage of people will like find any one thing and you're just like oh crap if I'm vlogging outside mainly the reason I'm outside is Riley's yeah so like it's on Riley and every New York City street looks the same unless you're like super downtown in which case things are cobblestone but then you still can't tell which street it is but like I don't ever go up yeah see I just mm, I, I got one email that made me feel a certain kind of weird and Kate I'm sure you get lots of emails that make you feel a certain kind of weird so I couldn't even imagine that oh yeah I've had I mean Nia got stalked no which is why she her which is why her profile image like isn't her face. Like granted, like she does all these live streams, but her profile is no longer her face. But hasn't been her face since like the entire time that I've known her. But uh she said that was why. I was like, oh. No, that's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrifying. Do you feel you've authentically been yourself on your platform or have you created a public persona? I mean, it is all me. I always think that it's probably like 90% me and then like 10% a persona because you turn on the camera and you're like, I have to be fun and all of the things, right? But like, that's how I would say it in a video too. So it's kind of just, uh, I think it's mostly me. Sometimes I'll save some thoughts that I think maybe make my opinion like, more rounded or like I know that I'm like gonna go off on a tangent that I would in real life but can't for a video like so that's why I'd say 90% it's me and then like 10% is a bit of a persona or something I don't 
No, I would just say that's just a polished version, like not a persona. Yeah, yeah. That's probably a better way of saying it. I'm a little bit more, a touch more polished as I put on 24-hour write-a-thons and then, you know, (laughs) I'm decidedly unpolished. (laughs) Unfiltered. The next two questions are about pen names. As promised, we are circling back around. Is there a reason for keeping a divide between your pen names? You know, you, you've you shared that Kate Cavanaugh is a pen name, which I found out super late. And everyone's like, didn't you know? And I was like, well, no, because obviously I wouldn't be surprised if I already knew. <laughs> and then you're not sharing your romance pen name. And you briefly touched on like, oh, the amount of sex is one thing that you want to keep separate. But are there other things? Yeah. So Kate Cavanaugh is a pen name because of internet safety. <laughs> And I was like, plus also my real name, I guess it's probably is a touch more generic than Kate Kavanaugh is. So like Kate is my real middle name. Kavanaugh was a name my grandma helped me come up with for the pin name. So that one was that. Uh, And then with my romance pin name, I think, again, I haven't changed anything in making the videos, but now there's like 43,000 people or something. And it's just kind of weird that some people will like it's a plus side to have people who will buy your book or are interested in your book just because of you but then there's also the negative side of people who like I could point out several <laughs> several people on author tube I know who will just like fully make like hate videos about a thing because it's this person or whatever and because it gets views and stuff and I think it's just been nice for me as public as I've been to have this one side one public like one pen name be fully private and just for me and just for fun kind of thing so I do have like I think I have a couple romance projects that I would eventually have under maybe even a different pen name that I would share uh but the one I'm currently publishing under is is just for me that's nice you're a lot smarter than me I'm just out here with my with my name rocking it I mean, that's what... I mean, I have my real name. Yeah. But I have a pen name for stuff I don't want anyone I know in real life to read. I mean, it's also worth, like, when I started my channel, like, I was in corporate finance and doing stuff then, so I didn't want people to be able to look me up and, like, that pop up. (laughs) So that was also it. Like, they're very different worlds. And even though I always joked about, like, my fun fact... You know, when you have to introduce yourself in those kind of settings and you're like, I'll, I would be like, I hate those. I do too. They suck so bad. I don't want the icebreakers, but I would be like, oh, I participate in NaNoWriMo. So like I was kind of open about it, but I don't, I didn't want them to find my videos. So, But don't go looking for me. Right. Well, it's like one thing to be like, I'm part of this giant collective versus like, I'm actually making a platform for myself based off this thing. Yeah. So I can leave this crummy cubicle job (laughs) yeah this is my out so I really don't want you to know about it (laughs) gotta cover your tracks yeah no that's the thing when I also was doing so when I met the boyfriend we met online dating on an app and so it was after the first few times that he eventually found uh Kate Kavanaugh stuff uh because it was a bit of a challenge because it's not my first real name so you have to like (laughs) You have to really know a bunch of details to then Google it and find it. But I was like, oh, no, (laughs) don't watch the videos. (sighs) I mean, like, I know people Google you, like, for when you're applying for 
college, even when you're applying for high school, if you go to like super bougie schools like I did in New York City, where the high school application process is basically the college application process and, you know, for jobs. But like, I've never heard anyone admit that they like Googled me or something and like was already talking about like my content. And I was like, Oh my God. It's real. I hope no one ever Googles me. And if they do, they don't tell me. <laughs> I'm always worried that I'm going to say something stupid. I mean, that's how I feel about people who are like, oh, I'm reading your book. I'm like, don't tell me that. Tell me that you've read my book and liked it after the fact, or never tell me that you're reading it so that I don't know that you didn't like it. That's my rule for my friends stuff too. Like, I don't tell anyone that I'm reading their book until after I've read it. Or if I'm like 75% of the way through, I'll be like, I'm almost done with your book kind of thing. That's fun. So lots of people have asked if you will ever let the writing community know your romance pen name. You know what? I had been going back and forth back when I was like answering more questions about that in vlogs. Mm -hmm. I think at the time I was undecided. I pretty much decided now that I will not. That's there. Then I'll just keep it for myself. And if I do start publishing romance that I want to share, I'll just have a different version of that pen name or a different pen name kind of thing. So it won't be under Kate? You'll just have three? It might. Who knows? I have not decided yet. Because <laughs> for me, I just have it by heat level. But for me, like my young adult was kind of close to new adult anyway. Mm-hmm. My adult stuff, I'm okay with writing different age categories under my real name. Yeah. I'm not ashamed of those stories. And I'm not ashamed of the other stories. It's more just like, I don't want my real life finding out about them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the issue of now I have, you know, my whole family knows that I make videos. They'll watch videos. Like my brother will text me and be like, oh, I loved what you said here, you know, kind of thing and stuff like that. So it's still like, it's not a secret from them. But if I want to keep a secret from them, I have to also not tell them. (laughs) So anyways, yeah. (laughs) My mom has texted me. She's like, oh, I really like this video. And I was like, oh, I forgot that that you sometimes watch yeah it's like I know you're subscribed but most of the time you don't watch YouTube or anything so I like forget yeah (laughs) I wish I had a funny story to add on to this but the only thing I got is if I ever do need a pen name I'm just going to use an alter's name and we're just going to run with it but I'm going to try not to need a pen name it's all just going to be under me (laughs) I mean because Jesse Elliott is running into the problem um she did a like coffee chat video where she was talking about what she thinks she's going to do in the future and she had her pen name is really taken off and they're the type of stories that readers want like every few months but that means like what time does she have to do her jesse elliott books Uh including one that you know she's been working on since 2014 which is how i met her and she really wants to do it and she's like you know i was thinking like what if I put that under my pen name, but then like I'd have to change the title because you all know that title from like past vlogs and stuff. But I'm married to the title and I was like, yeah, juggling pen names. Like I haven't really had to do it yet because everything else is like taking precedence but once I start having to do that I'm like it's such a conundrum I'm glad to hear that Jessie's other pen name's taking off I'm also glad that she's back to making videos yeah because she was one of the first people that I also found like doing author tube stuff um and I know that she not privated but like unlisted maybe she did private it I don't know her 
she privated everything and then she unprivated yeah I was like I was so sad when I saw that like and we're not I know you're you're friends with her and stuff so but I wasn't gonna be like hey I went to the Walter Writers Retreat tell me everything about why you did this (laughs) (laughs) but I've always been so curious because I think Jesse's great and so I was just like oh I wonder what happened um so anyways, I'm glad she's back and I want to chat with her. I want to interview her for my podcast too. I was like, I have so many questions. You should. Yes. For me doing pen names, it's kind of like a, because I write such different genres, um, it really just depends. So I've found like based off the, the the steaminess level is kind of like how with romance, it's easier to do and be like, okay, no, I'm drawing the line right here. <laughs> Do you have any publishing dates in mind for your Kate Kavanaugh stories? Most people were specifically asking about the Meridian Maps. Not for the Meridian Maps. I think Project Death, I want to actually, like, there's a couple that I want to actually query. Now that I'm closer to figuring out how to do standalone fantasy, I think I can revisit. Because I think the first Meridian Maps book is actually pretty good. It's more that I have this entire rest of the series that ended up being a jumbled mess because I didn't know how to write series. It's my first one. And I just didn't want it to be five years between the first one and the next book, you know? So that's kind of the thing is that as soon as I'm able to figure out the second Meridian Maps book, I'll come up with a date for the first because it's pretty much done. So how does it feel to be similar to a celebrity on AuthorTube slash Twitch in like this writing sphere of ours? Nice, different, weird, <laughs> all of the adjectives. Because I'm still the same person in my bed or in my like my bedroom or like in my office, like making videos. Again, it doesn't really feel like anything's changed for me. So it's just it is kind of funny to see. I mean, it's nice because I feel like I have a place where I can like promote other people which is really cool. Or like on Twitch, you can rate other people. And it's always so fun to see a horde of us coming in and be like, hello, we're here. So I think that part's really fun. But yeah, it's not what I imagined out of it. You know, like I didn't go into it thinking that this was going to happen or anything, especially because I think at the time it really, you know, there weren't that many author tubers that were very big or like there were a couple who now don't make videos anymore, which is unfortunate. So I've talked a little bit with Alexa Dunn about it. So sometimes we'll, we'll chat and she's like over a hundred thousand. She got her play button and everything, which is so cool. Tell me you're going to interview her on making money, making art. I would love to do that. I think she'd be down, but I figured I would try and get like, for me, it's still kind of a test run because I really enjoy doing it. Um, I think once I figure out like y'all's editing software, it'll be better. But like the podcast I'm editing today our mic levels were so off and I don't have them in two different things where I can just boost so I have to manually every yeah you know 10 20 seconds change it so that's the only part that's been a bummer yeah so make your life easier going forward and use Zencaster. <laughs> that's what I think so and and after that like I think I would love to continue this so yeah I think I'd love to interview her that would be really cool I mean, I think that was answered very nicely. And I honestly enjoy podcasting more than video making for YouTube. And that's not just because Zara is amazing at editing the episode. (laughs) I offered to edit in the beginning and Zara's like, I already have the software. And I'm like, oh, thank the gods. (laughs) I like having the option to use anything in Adobe Audition. But with Zencaster, I actually don't have to use a lot of the features in it. So yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll have to try it out because I also have the Adobe suite for publishing stuff too. So I should see if uh... I haven't played around with it. Yeah. <laughs> How have your writing priorities changed, if they have at all, now that you have found the boyfriend? And does he support your crazy writing lifestyle? <sighs> like, I don't think they've changed at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I he has done NaNoWriMo a couple times, actually, like way back when. Ooh. Yeah. So like I keep trying to get him to do it again, but he's not he's not done it yet. Maybe eventually. My goal is to write something with each of my family members, and I would love to write something with him sometime too, but like that would be like a far off future dream. So yeah, he's really supportive of all of it, the author tube part and the writing part and everything else. So you gave him control of your writing blog. So obviously. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's down for uh, the fun. <laughs> we love supportive partners around here. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the next question is just something personal to me because everyone knows that food is important and to an Appalachian food is very important. And the most important food is comfort food. So what is your favorite comfort food? My mom makes this thing called chicken spaghetti. It's more like a casserole. It is real good though. (laughs) It's got all of the good, it has, you know, it has chicken and it has spaghetti, but like it, you basically bake the whole thing in one. It's amazing. Is there cheese? Oh my God. There's so much cheese. Of course there's cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And so uh, you get a little bit of peppers in there. Yeah. It's good. Um, The boyfriend actually makes a version now because my mom gave him the recipe. He makes a version now that's like stovetop chicken spaghetti and it's also great. And it can be any like pasta. It doesn't have to be spaghetti. So anyways, it's really good. Other comfort foods. I mean, I coffee feels like a bad answer because it's like a stimulant, <laughs> but like it is just so nice to start my mornings with my little cup and like having my like it warms your hands. You're just kind of sitting there vibing in the morning. Like that's that'll be my comfort. <laughs> I have a question. Uh So in any of your books, any of your projects, um, is there anything that you can pull from those to make a coffee brand? Okay, so I'm literally writing this romance right now where I just stole my love of coffee and I'm making the girl write a... uh, or she's like she runs a coffee shop basically so like I get to take all of my knowledge and put it into this coffee shop. So (laughs) that's not... You had to come up with her menu... Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what. So I don't know that uh, a coffee brand, but. Well, you could do it with your cafe bookstore and sell the brand. Exactly. That's my dream. It would be amazing if that could happen. I would. Oh, my God. I would love that. You know how in some romance novels they have like a recipe in the back of the book? Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's cute through like comfort romance no and so that's totally maybe I'll have to do that oh yes please I really want there to be one wander writers retreat in the future where everyone who's ever gone and people who haven't gone like we go and it's like the biggest one ever and we do like a potluck my favorite comfort food is chicken and dumplings yum Okay, this last question is from an audience member, and they made it very clear that, you know, it's tongue-in-cheek, it's joking, but you can take it as seriously as you want to. What is the meaning of life? Oh, 42. Boom! We're done. 
<laughs> That's it. We're just gonna leave it. Everyone else can wonder what that means. It's like if you know, you know, and if you don't know, do you have access to the internet to listen to this episode? Yeah. Google it. Or do you want to add a more serious answer? It's up to you. There's no pressure to, but Oh. No, that's as serious an answer okay, as I could possibly get for that one. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on to our podcast, Kate. We loved having you. We were very pumped and psyched about it for weeks in advance of it happening. And this is the Rightish Podcast, and we'll be back with another episode next week when we'll be talking about story conflict. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Writish Podcast, on Twitter at Write underscore ish, on TikTok at Writish Podcast, and last but not least on Kofi at Writish. Bye! Bye.